This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to speak with Dave Lynch, who's running for Congress as a write-in candidate challenging Doris Matsui in our 5th Congressional District, located in Sacramento. Dave has some good things to say, and we'll be talking to him in segment two. But let us first begin the show as we like to do with On This Date in History, which in our case today is October 9th. It was on October 9th in 1876 that the Scottish-born American inventor Alexander Graham Bell calls his assistant Thomas Watson, who was about two miles away, in what was the first phone call using outdoor wires. As proof to skeptics the conversation had actually taken place, the Boston Advertiser published Bell and Watson's separate accounts of the conversation. Fourteen years later on this date in 1890, French aviation pioneer Clement Adair took off in a steam-powered airplane and flew about 160 feet in what's described as the world's first powered hop from ground level in a heavier-than-air machine. He was unable to achieve sustained, controlled flight. Although some aviation buffs claim that this makes Adair the first uh, person to fly, uh, we're going with the Wright brothers. On October 9th in 1899, the Boer leader, Paul Kruger, ignited war in South Africa by demanding the British troops withdraw from the border of the Transvaal. On this date in 1936, Hoover Dam, tallest in the world at the time, began sending electricity over transmission lines spanning 266 miles of mountains and deserts to continue the urban sprawl of Los Angeles, California, something which has continued unabated to this very day. 41 years ago today, on uh, October 9, 1967, Ernesto Guevara de la Serna, better known as Che Guevara, was executed by forces of Bolivia and America. In fact, it really was American forces that caught him and, 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 and had him executed. They just used the Bolivians for cover. Che had been busy trying to export uh, the revolution of Cuba into Bolivia. He was not successful. And finally, on this date in 1992, a 30-pound meteorite slammed into a Chevy Malibu in Peekskill, New York. Thousands of people saw it streak across the sky on its way across the U.S., although the people in New York looked up and saw only a stationary bright light because it was coming right at them. And no, we have no information on whether the insurance covered the damage to the car due to the meteorite. Our suspicion is it did not. Our quote of the day comes from Senator Lindsey Graham, who said a couple weeks back after the first debate, It's Sunday. I'm tired. Senator Obama did well. Noted The Economist, Graham, a McCain advocate, couldn't be bothered to even spin the post-presidential debate polls. Our bonus quote comes from the first president, George Washington, who once said in his presidential address, Let me warn you in the most solemn manner, against the baneful effects of the spirit of party. And our quip of the day comes from, I think, the Duke, or was it the Dolphin, from Huckleberry Finn, who said in the novel, Ain't we got all the fools in town on our side? And ain't that a big enough majority in any town? All right, and our our joke of the day, actually, this is a seven-parter. This comes from Radar Magazine's 100, last month's edition, uh, under the title, 100 Ways to get out of jury duty. 
our favorite seven of the ways to get out of jury duty. Number one, keep asking when you'll get your one phone call. Two, say, sequester, I hardly know her. Now, here's why that's funny. 100 ways to get out of jury duty. Well, here's number three. Take a good long roll in a pile of deer droppings. Number four, show up in a powdered wig. Number five, stand up at random intervals to do the tomahawk chop. All right, 100 ways to get out of jury duty. Number six, show up in 3D glasses and insist you need them to see, quote, the truth, unquote. And my personal favorite among 100 ways to get out of jury duty, number seven, announce, I've brought my own evidence in from home. Our statistic of the day, well, this comes from Bloomberg News. Notes that the former top five Wall Street firms of Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, and Bear Stearns, well, they paid their CEOs a combined $3.1 billion, billion with a B, between 2003 and 2007, when the banks were buying up the assets that led three of them to implode. Let's review that one, shall we? For a four-year period between 2003 and 2007, while these banks were buying up the assets that led to catastrophe, they paid the geniuses at the helm $3.1 billion. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week a couple weeks back for the constitutional right to show your underwear after a local Florida judge ruled that a Riviera Beach law banning the wearing of baggy, low-riding pants was unconstitutional. We'll have more to say about that later in this segment. And according to The Week magazine, it was a bad week last week for following orders. After a New York man drove his car onto train tracks because his GPS device told him to. The man and his son managed to scramble out of the car before it was demolished by a commuter train. <laughs> Said a railroad spokesman, at least he had the sense to get out of the car. Noting, of course, that the GPS device did not help the motorist make that decision. And it was kind of an ugly week last week for the Trial Lawyers of America when a New York man who broke his tooth on an unpopped kernel of movie theater popcorn lost his bid for compensation. Insurance broker Steve Kaplan says he bit into a hard kernel and suffered terrible pain and a subsequent $1,250 dental bill. In dismissing Kaplan's lawsuit, Judge Matthew Cooper said that anyone who's ever eaten or made popcorn, quote, soon learns the bitter truth that the final product is almost always marred by the presence of unpopped, partially popped, or burnt kernels, unquote. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. All right, let's do some news roundup. A uh, rather shocking story that didn't get the publicity I think it deserved. Uh, on the 29th of September, the outgoing... Prime Minister of Israel, Ehud Olmert, announced that his country will have to withdraw from, quote, almost all, unquote, of the land seized 
1967 if it wants to have peace with Syria and the Palestinians. In a newspaper interview a week before his formal resignation, Olmert said Israelis need to make a supremely difficult decision about whether or not they really want to have peace with their neighbors. If the answer is yes, he said, Israel will have to withdraw its soldiers and settlers from the Golan Heights and nearly all of the West Bank, including East Jerusalem. This really is a startling thing for an Israeli prime minister to say, but he said... Peace is within reach on both fronts if Israel is willing to accept the necessary sacrifices. Kresh, you'll notice it's always a politician who's about to step down from the reins of power who all of a sudden starts speaking the truth. In this interview, by the way, Olmert also dismissed the idea of a unilateral Israeli attack to destroy Iran's nuclear program. The journalist who interviewed Olmert said that his comments were some of the strongest ever made by a sitting prime minister on Israel's need to give up the territories it has occupied for more than four decades. How about this one from a month ago? A scientist accustomed to working alone with deadly pathogens in the U.S. could be forced to buddy up in the laboratory as military officials and civilian contractors review security measures in the wake of the FBI's conclusions about the 2001 anthrax mailings. Some scientists object to the expanding of the two-person rule. Current rules already prohibit people from working alone in many of the most dangerous labs, but they say the practical issues of having to work with someone else, placing a second person in the lab, wouldn't prevent a scientist from sneaking out a smidgen of material under their fingernail, for example. And we want to give credit where credit is due to the folks uh, in, in Davis who did their best to fight off a uh, nuclear weapons laboratory that... Uh, Lawrence Livermore Lab wanted to put here in, uh, in Davis. Uh, they claimed it was a bioresearch lab, but, uh, you know, same thing. How about this story from Nebraska? Uh, apparently an extension was made in the state of Nebraska for some of these laws around the country de- designed to protect infants where they can be dropped off, no questions asked. Well, they expanded that law to include any child which has meant in the last uh, month or so that something like 11 children as old as 17 were left at an Omaha hospitals. The governor of Nebraska, who signed the law, and some other former supporters are now among those saying that changes are needed. State Senator Arnie Suthman, who introduced the original bill, said, people are leaving them off just because they can't control them. They're probably in no real danger, so it's an easy out for the caretaker. One father went by Creighton University Medical Center's emergency room and left off nine siblings, five boys and four girls, age 1 to 17. But you know, there is part of this we like. All these, uh, these Christian churches out there that, uh, that are so anti-abortion, well, the people that go ahead and have the kids ought to go by some of those places and drop them off. Except, unfortunately, they're not covered uh, by laws such as this. Instead, they basically become wards of the state. And I must confess, I regularly like to check out Parade Magazine. It's just so middle America. And you know when Parade Magazine has an article like the one they had on September 21st titled, In Debt? Don't Let Bill Collectors Bully You! by Jerry Willis. When that's turning up in Parade, you know economic times are getting tough. My guess is Willis must be a lawyer because of the advice given is things like, uh, don't try to defend yourself or justify your debt. Instead, stay calm and focused. Ask for details of the debt and written proof of the collector's claim. And we talked about the $700 billion for Wall Street last week. We're going to give that one a rest. But how about this item from south of the border? 
The administration of Mexican President Felipe Calderón has launched a campaign to promote physical fitness. It's renovating hundreds of public gyms and encouraging businesses to give workers time for exercise. This comes in the wake of the Mexican government noting that within a decade, Mexico will catch up to the U.S. to become one of the world's fattest nations. It was noted that already half of Mexicans are overweight and obesity among children is rising steadily. New cases of high blood pressure and diabetes have increased more than 25% over the past five years. Well, actually, let's return to Parade for a minute. There was an article a few weeks back uh, in what was called Intelligence Report asking if we're protecting airports the wrong way. An interesting approach, the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, has placed more than 2,000 behavior detection experts at airports across the country. Critics have said that the U.S. Uh, US security strategy still focuses too much on finding bombs rather than bombers. Israel, which is home to many of the world's most devastating terror attacks, has a different approach to security. Travelers in Israel are interviewed by highly trained security experts. Whereas, by contrast, in the U.S., billions are spent instead on scanning machines and other technology to detect weapons. Seth Kropsky, a former Defense Department official, said the Israelis ask questions and they profile the situation, not the person. It's often a much more thorough approach to security. So probably in Israel you don't see them, you know, uh, scanning three-year-olds. I want to talk about an item in Mental Floss magazine from a couple months ago. Article noted that if there was a draft, a military draft, tomorrow there'd be five things to note. Of course, the givens are that when you turn 18, you got to register for the draft. And if there is one, there'd be a selective service system lottery to determine who gets drafted and when, in what order. But the five things to remember are that men who turn 20 during the calendar year are called first. Second, once all the eligible 20-year-olds are called, the process moves up to 21-year-olds, then to 22-year-olds, and so on, until all the 25-year-olds are called. Third thing to note, the last to be drafted are 18 and 19-year-olds. Fourth thing, if your number is called, you receive a notice telling you where to report for exams, where you will undergo physical, psychological, and moral evaluations. And lastly, once you're declared fit for service, you must report to a military entrance processing station within 10 days. Why is this worth mentioning? Well, John McCain says the military draft deserves another look. Which is why if you're between the ages of 18 and 25, I would suggest that John McCain deserves another look. All right, let's go back to the baggy pants issue. The Periscope section of Newsweek magazine noticed last month that uh, although it was 90 degrees in downtown Flint, Michigan, and Jason Miguel was shirtless, he was in a pair of gray sweatpants, hanging out, minding his own business, supposedly, not breaking the law. Well, actually, well, he was breaking the law, not because he was loitering, because his pants were sagging to the point of revealing the pair of boxer shorts he was wearing. The magazine quoted the 28-year-old as saying, I've been sagging since fourth grade. It's cool. And, of course, the whole droopy, saggy thing. Uh, people all over the country are enacting laws to try and stop it. In fact, Newsweek printed a diagram of what the police chief in Flint has ordered his officers to do, or at least it's a guideline of what to do in the case, various cases of baggy pants. If the pants are sagging but remain above the butt, you get a warning. The second diagram then shows a pair of pants, which are about, you know, midway down the gluteus maximus, with the underwear plainly in view. Well, that constitutes disorderly conduct. 
Now, if you leave the pants at the mid-butt level and then actually lower your underpants to where you can see the crack of your butt, well, now you're in indecent exposure territory. Stupid? Perhaps. But here at Radio Parallax, we recognize the need for something to be done. For background on this, we went to the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series for some data. Uh, in an article titled, Dude, Your Pants Are Falling Down, it was explained that, uh, believe it or not, the modern fad of wearing oversized, low-riding pants originated in U.S. prisons. In the late 1980s, many prisons banned the wearing of belts. And because standard-issue prison pants were often too big, they sagged. Instead of being embarrassed, inmates turned it into a fashion statement. The fad spread to the outside world when gang members in L.A. started wearing their pants baggy and low in solidarity with their friends in prison. From there, it took off. This style found its way into pop culture through rap, starting with MC Hammer's 1990 You Can't Touch This and its video, which featured Hammer dancing in oversized genie pants. The trend quickly caught on with teenagers. And uh, by the mid-1990s, uh, various brands had anti-fit jeans, they were called, and within a few years, it was a multi-billion dollar industry. Noted Uncle John's, as with a lot of new clothing fads, many parents, school officials, and even lawmakers disliked the trend. Some said the pants were dangerous because they made it easier to conceal a weapon. Of course, the counter-argument to that was, well, baggy pants make concealed weapons that much harder to retrieve. But regardless, 15 years later, the baggy pants craze is still here. And between hip-hop culture and skateboarding cultures, it looks like there won't be any change uh, soon. Of course, the only upside to this, this idiot bit of fashion may be that uh, it, it is acting as somewhat of a crime deterrent. For example, uh, Vicki Chandler, age 55, was walking to her car in Chattanooga, Tennessee, when a purse snatcher went by and grabbed her purse. Said Miss Chandler, that kid, he could run fast, but he got caught up by his pants. They were real big and baggy. Fortunately for Chandler, in fact, the purse snatcher had to throw the purse on the ground and use both hands to hold up his pants as he continued to run away. Reportedly in 2004, a suspect in handcuffs tried to run away from arresting officer Denny Furman. He didn't get too far, apparently. His jeans fell around his ankles while trying to cross the street. He was flopping around like a fish out of water, the officer told reporters. But the suspect then got out of his trousers and continued running, wearing only a shirt and boxers, prompting Furman to make one of the strangest radio calls of his career. Uh, white male, running, no pants, in handcuffs. In fact, a few minutes later, the man was caught and arrested at the entrance of a J.C. Penney store after a 61-year-old grandmother grabbed him by his shirt collar and pulled him to the ground. And my personal favorite story among the baggy pants crime issues would be the would-be robber of, in North Carolina who tried to hold up a Subway sandwich store. His pants got caught on the counter when he tried to jump over it, which sent him crashing to the floor. He then fled without taking anything. But when he tried to make his getaway over a fence, his baggy pants got caught on the links. Police found him hanging upside down, and then they cut him down with a knife before arresting him. Baggy pants. A bad fashion statement, but they could be the honest citizen's best defense. All right, let's take a short break and come back and talk to Dave Lynch about his run at the U.S. Congress. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax.